I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. It's me, your host, Dave. I recently threw out a challenge to you, the community, to share your stories of resilience I got a lot of people sending back their stories, and this is the first time that we're actually going to talk to someone in the community who has herself created a community about her story of resilience. Sydney Cummings is our guest today. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist, and she's also a YouTube superstar who sends daily workouts to her more than a million person subscriber list. She's a women's health magazine action hero and owner of Royal Change a fitness and nutrition company online based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. She's been an athlete her whole life and has a bachelor's in child development studies and left her second degree program to chase her passion in fitness and personal training. As someone who likes people all of a sudden in my life who are focused on personal training and fitness, I like this person too. Please welcome Sydney Cummings to the show. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. Thank you for having me, Dave. What an intro. That was a long-winded intro, huh? A lot to say. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I could go on and on. It's such a cool thing because uh, just before we came on air, I was like, Sydney, weren't you one of the people at the beginning of this throw out to the community telling me your stories? And it was like, yeah, I told you I had a story. And I was like, oh, well, this is going to be fantastic for our listeners to hear from one of themselves uh, a little bit of how you have faced some hard things and facing them have become who you've become and are um, now, you know, in part here to tell some stories about what it means to be resilient, to give people hopefully a little bit of a taste of what it was like to go through what you've been through, but also some encouragement or motivation to believe that whatever they've been through is leading them to something greater on the other side. Would you do the honors of uh, introducing yourself in a way that is even better than how I may have? And uh, in doing so, tell a little of your story of what you've overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I can try to beat your intro. I don't know if I will, but Dave kind of summed it up. I 
am a lifelong athlete. I started off as a full scholarship high jumper at West Virginia University. So I don't know if you say ran track or jump track or played track or whatever you say, but I was a high jumper for West Virginia University. And that's kind of where I learned how to lift weights. Basically, I was a lifelong athlete, but I'd never been introduced to the strength and conditioning world until college, which made that whole transition just a bit tougher. But in college, I kind of thought I was going one route. And I sure, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this. Thought I was going one route and started off in nursing school. Couldn't balance it out with my track and field travel schedule. So I actually switched majors, graduated, had a lot of trouble finding a job. I could not find a job in the idea of wanting to be a child life specialist. So actually, after my bachelor's degree was accomplished and my track and field career was over, went back to school. And I kind of like to say I have about three examples of like milestone resilience throughout my life. And I like to tell them all because I think they can relate to someone in some way. You can probably listen to this and say, ah, there's a piece of that that I resemble or I can relate to. So I'll try to make this short and sweet, but I'm not great at being brief. So um, after my career and after my bachelor's degree was accomplished, went back to school to be a nurse anesthetist and just found that in nursing school, I love learning about the body. I love learning how it works and how we can make it healthy and make each other, you know, kind of prevent ourselves from being in the hospital. And through that, I kind of thought, I don't, I don't know if this is full potential Sydney going to nursing school and being a nurse Uh, the education was my favorite part, but the actual practice of it, I wasn't sure if that was going to be Sydney is lit up every day. Sydney's acting full version of herself. So in addition to these thoughts, I was also laid off from the nonprofit job that I was working to put myself back through nursing school and kind of in that pivotal moment of, oh my gosh, what do I do? How do I go back to the second year of nursing school uh, without any money? My boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, had moved to Charlotte to kind of further his finance career. And I called him panicked, crying, like, what do I do? I have no job. I don't know what to do. And I don't think he necessarily knew about the thoughts I was having about being a nurse. But he then mentioned to me while he was laughing on the other end, which I thought was very insensitive. But at the time, I see why looking back now, he was laughing. Uh, He was like, well, I did actually talk to a manager at a gym that I was working out at last week. And I didn't mention it because I didn't want to, you know, bring up anything that wasn't possible. But uh, he said, with me telling him about your track and field career, if you are everything that I say you are, uh, I could come down and be a personal trainer for the summer. And he would put me through my courses. He would make sure I got the certifications because it was very hard to find number one, female personal trainers, and number two, collegiate athlete, female personal trainers. So at that point, I thought, why not? I've got nothing to lose. I need to make some money. I would take my severance package and kind of try and add to that to make sure I could afford to go back to nursing school. And you can probably assume by now that I never went back to nursing school. Uh, I just fell in love with the process of watching someone discover their own strength. And I think there, there may be a misinterpretation about personal trainers making people stronger, which is partially true. But I also think that personal trainers help people discover their own strength. And I watched that come to life in so many people. Definitely wasn't for the money. I was hardly making any money, but I, I knew that that was full potential Sydney. Being in this industry was where I felt alive. I remember watching uh, a little Hispanic lady named Carla do her first push up, and the way she lit up was the feeling I wanted to give people. 
every day. So I guess the first part of resilience that I kind of embody is going against the grain of what is expected or what is traditional because the fitness industry isn't necessarily something that someone from a small town goes into as a career. Uh, it's nursing was like solid. She's golden. We're proud of Sydney. You know, this is a great career. It'll be benefits and security for life. And I just knew that wasn't what I was meant to do. So going into this fitness industry, I, I really cut off a lot of, or a lot of people cut me off in terms of just judgment of going into what they thought was me trying to continue to live out my college career, uh, me trying to turn a hobby and a pastime into a career. And so there was a lot of people that, that really uh, hurt me in the process of trying to fulfill something that genuinely made me happy. What's interesting is like I am in real time experiencing because of the way that Heidi inside of a relationship and this person, Tony, who is my personal trainer, have seen things in me mm -hmm. and in there having seen things and said things to me have changed the way that I've thought about my own abilities inside of fitness. There's, there's something about what you just said about a personal trainer's job that I'm curious, like you started as an athlete a little bit later. Was there someone who spoke to you that they could see something in you that maybe you hadn't necessarily seen in yourself that then had you reaching into and becoming something of an athlete? And now part of what you get to do every single day is pay that forward for people as you, in seeing something in them, get to help them see a thing that they maybe wouldn't have found themselves. Yeah, I, I believe my college strength and conditioning coaches had to see that in me in order to be as patient with me as they were. And anyone that's beginning a fitness journey new can relate to this, but I felt like everyone on my team coming into a division one athletics program had at least been trained how to use a barbell or how to do a pull-up or a push-up. So I came in basically just like a very long, lanky girl that was flexible that could jump over a high jump bar and had been kind of like the best in my state for a long time, not knowing how to get stronger. So I think coming into that program, I had to kind of accept that there was going to be a journey there where someone had to see in me that they were going to watch me develop my strength if I just trusted them. And I've I relate to people in that way so much now and through other things that we'll talk about today, starting fresh, you kind of have to know that deep down inside of you, there's something that's just waiting to come out, but you have to kind of put in the work to show yourself that it's there and to show yourself that there's the possibility of a, a continuing journey throughout, you know, your very first push up all the way to your very first barbell overhead press. You know, there's a journey of strength discovery as your physical strength kind of adapts as well. I'm interesting, and I don't even know that I'm normal, and I'm, I mean, I know that I'm not normal, let's be clear, but I, I was saying this to Heidi, she has been like from uh, the whole time that we've known each other, mm -hmm. very complimentary of what she believed to be an opportunity for me to push myself beyond what I believed myself to be capable of with strength mm -hmm. training. And I told her that like, I related it to when I was in second or third grade, having someone hand me a piece of paper that said, you have been identified for the gifted and talented program. And by getting this letter from a third party that in some way had credibility, affirming that they believed me to be smart, it was the first time that I thought of myself truly as a smart kid and started acting as a smart kid. And in the same kind of way, I had a lot of limiting beliefs about what my body was capable of and how nutrition affected my journey and all of it. 
And here in a relationship with someone who has this depth of experience in transformation, nutrition, and fitness, when she's spoken some truth into me, mm-hmm. it's changed the way that I see the truth about myself. Absolutely. And there, there's been so much research on this as well. Just people, someone saying, all right, I want you to put this weight on a barbell. What's the weight that you think you can do 10 reps of? And about 80% of people actually were able to do about 16 reps of the weight that they put on there. And we just often underestimate because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of shooting too high and looking overly confident. And it comes across in the way that you view yourself, the way that you perceive your, your actual limits and strength in, you know, responsibilities and opportunities. And so I, that's why I love strength training so much. I'll be honest, because I think it rolls right into who you are as a person, as a husband, wife, father, mother, friend, employee, boss, everything that you do. If you watch yourself get through something, get stronger, you perceive yourself in that way continually, not just when you have a dumbbell in your hand, but also when an opportunity presents itself at work. Completely agree. No, I am going from physical challenge to physical challenge, pushing myself right now to build mass and muscle because of, I can't even believe I'm saying it out loud again, a physique competition that I've entered on November 6th. So I'm going to stand on a stage in board shorts and a bunch of tanning stuff. But like that is a thing is now part of like redefining what I believe to be my capacity in physical strength. But that redefining what I can do physically just bleeds into what I think I can handle emotionally and mentally. And it's just so important. Okay. So that was your first kind of like resilience gate, listening to your intuition or following the signs of life into a space that maybe had some people questioning if you were doing the right thing, even though it filled you up, you had to kind of row against that current. All right. What is the second gate that you had to kind of work through from a resilience standpoint? So the second example of resilience kind of comes in, in form of an emotional heartbreak. A couple years into getting my fitness career established, I moved away from West Virginia to Charlotte like I said, was making no money in the beginning. My car was breaking down almost daily, but push through, push through, just know that this is going to work. I know that for someone I'm going to help today, this is going to change their life. And I want that feeling for them continually. So hosted free boot camps in the park, went to people's houses, made free programs for people just to get my name out there and was working at four or five gyms at the same time, just to be able to make ends meet finally started getting some uh, clients under my belt, some leeway. And my kind of brand that I was trying to establish or trying to grow was developing. And I was starting to become known in the Charlotte fitness world. Uh, Then I got reached out to by Women's Health to be an action hero. And this was about a three-year journey. So it wasn't overnight, but it took a while. Three years into my journey, I was pretty busy, had a full schedule of clients It was definitely something that I'd worked hard to achieve. I got a phone call from my mom on a early on a Sunday morning, which is, you know, one of those phone calls no one ever wants to get. This is not a right time for my mom to be calling me. She told me my brother had been in an ATV accident and he's two years younger than me at the time he was 24 and he was going to have to have brain surgery because he had had some severe brain damage. So went home, uh, it was about a three week journey in the hospital He ended up with infection and problem after problem. He never woke up from his ATV accident and he ended up passing away. Just had a daughter. She had just turned one. He had just gotten married. He was, like I said, 24 years old. He was a Marine and just an ATV accident ended his journey. And so that was the second time where I felt like 
that was probably the most realistic time in my life that my world stopped. And I thought there's, there's gotta be some way that I get through this. That doesn't result in me downward spiraling. That doesn't result in me taking advantage of the fact that I still have a life. And, you know, I can imagine my brother watching and saying, you know, don't, don't waste what you've got going here. Uh, don't put something to rest that you worked so hard to achieve, but I found a way to kind of take characteristics from him as a father, as a husband, as a Marine, and pull those into myself to get through that grief process, which, you know, as anyone knows, you're still always getting through it. But in that moment, it was kind of pivotal for me. And I thought, I still have a life. I am still alive and well, and my brother doesn't. But I can't let that stop me from continuing to live out a life that I want to be a legacy where I can make his daughter proud. I can tell, you know, all my friends about her and about him and just the potential to leave a legacy. And again, be an example of getting through something really painful. Uh, I knew that I was kind of complacent in my career and in my life because I was technically booked out as a a personal trainer. And I thought there's got to be some shift here that challenges me as a sister, as an aunt and as Sydney, not just as a personal trainer, but as a person to do something that's going to leave a legacy. And I was, I was busy, but as a lot of people know, when you're busy, you're not always growing. So I took the heartbreak from my brother and kind of physically and emotionally rebuilt and turned my personal training business slowly into a digital fitness business in my heart, in my mind, the way I was going to leave a legacy was to make this fitness passion that I had accessible to people all over the world uh, at no cost. And so Dustin, my husband and I physically built a filming set, which I, I constantly attribute that physical build out to our emotional rebuild as well, kind of getting through that pain of, yeah, we want to build a legacy. We still have a life to live and we're not going to let it stop just because my brother's story ended short. We're going to do it instead because his journey was ended short. So that's where biggest heartbreak of my life. I had to make a decision of how I was going to move forward, knowing that the legacy I wanted to leave had to start now in something bigger than I was already doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm one, sorry for your loss and also encouraged by your decision to honor his memory by continuing to do work that might afford others breakthrough and light and, you know, anything and everything that of course he would have hoped for um, not just for you, but for your extended family and for the way that your name might uh, be something of a light bearer. So, uh, you know, I'm encouraged as you were at the very beginnings of that transition, that journey, what was it that you clung to most? Or was there a thing, was there a pivotal, even like early moment where a light switch flipped and you said, oh, this is what I got to do because sitting in this space isn't going to serve the preservation of legacy or me feeling good in a world where, of course, I could just sit here and hold this grief forever and ever. Yeah, I knew that in some way, I wanted to be able to grow the business and to scale the business. I just never really knew how. Uh, I thought it was something that I had to wait to kind of fall into my lap or to present itself to me, like you know, a brand telling me that they wanted to take me somewhere or being sponsored or someone telling me how to do fitness digitally. Uh, so I was, I was busy and complacent for sure. And I knew in my head uh, that one day I wanted it to be digital, but I didn't ever have the courage, I guess, to start something that I knew would basically be 
me starting from square one again. And that moment, you know, I knew I wanted to be strong like my brother was his whole life. And I think the light switch moment for me was when he passed, his story was cut so short so quickly. And I thought if that's, if I had to go through something like that, what would I want to sit back or what, what would I want people to be able to say about me? And at that moment, I knew so far I hadn't accomplished as much as I wanted to. And I hadn't done anything that I felt, which is probably me being a little bit too hard on myself, but I hadn't done anything that I felt had changed enough lives in a way that my legacy would last. So it kind of gave me like the push or the kick in the butt to just say, go for it, try it, get something online, get someone out there doing your workouts that does not know you or that is not near you in Charlotte. You know, it's, it's interesting. I just last week put up a post about this question. It was the most poignant question at the last of a gathering I was at for a mastermind, which was, if you only had two years to live, how would you live your life differently? What would you do? And there's, there's something about just being connected to the guarantee that we only have a certain number of days on this planet that is permission to live fully or stop waiting as you maybe were in the middle of um, for the someday to come, uh, like manufacturing your own odds or putting your finger on the scale by creating some momentum of your own rather than waiting for somebody else yeah. is part of how you answer that question. And I mean, I think if, if all of us were blessed with changing a little bit of our relationship with death in yeah. accepting that it's coming and seeing the fact that it is as the invitation to not take for granted that tomorrow is a guarantee or that we will be here forever. There's just hubris in that idea. Yeah. All of a sudden now, the things that we maybe are afraid of or that maybe, you know, that we, we, we kind of hold ourselves back because of the worry of what people would think or whatever, like it don't matter. We only have a limited amount of time. And so there was a beautiful gift right. that came in that mortality moments. Yeah. And it's amazing to see what you did with it. So good. Yeah. All right. What was, what was the third big resilience gate that you had to hurdle? So the third one is, is a bit heavy and it's, I guess, a bit sensitive. Uh, it does kind of revolve around gun violence. So if that is a sensitive topic to anyone, just kind of a forewarning. Uh, I was leaving the studio that I mentioned Dustin and I just built. Uh, we were lucky enough to find a spot in Charlotte that would let us literally go get wood from Lowe's and hammer away and paint away this big white stage so we could film workouts on. We had started that in February of 2018. My brother passed in June. February 18, we started doing a free brand new workout every single day on YouTube. And I knew that was my way to kind of set myself apart from what was being done on YouTube and the fitness scene, and also make sure that there was no barrier to fitness for anyone. There was no cost barrier. There was no proximity barrier. There was no time barrier. It was just 30 to 60 minute workouts every day. You pick what you can do and I'll show up for you each day so that consistently, you know, you've got a trainer that's literally coming to you wherever you are. Doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. We're going to do this together. So that was February of 2018. Um, We started getting some traction. I started seeing people that I didn't know comment on the YouTube channel. It's like, I don't know this person. This is great. They're from another state. They're not just supporting me from back home. So we kept running with it, kept listening to comments. What do people like? What are the numbers telling us? Tons of analytics, just looking at the numbers and rolling with what people liked, what was working. We got approved by YouTube to be a YouTube partner in, I think it was about five months actually, um, of the everyday workouts, 10 hour process each day. It wasn't making money at first. So we finally got that YouTube partner approval, which allows you to make some money off of YouTube to finally kind of help us you know, get new camera equipment to get a new light, et cetera. 
about a month later, uh, it was September 10th of 2018. We were leaving the studio, had recorded late in the evening. It was about 9.30, which wasn't abnormal for us at that time. Uh, locked the studio door up. We were walking down to our cars down the sidewalk. And I see four men walking up the street and they weren't approaching us. I just saw them walking. We kind of walked past them and turned to go to our cars. I hear from behind me, Dustin didn't even hear it. It was so soft, but I hear, don't move. And I thought, were they talking to each other? Were they talking to us? So I look back over my left shoulder and I see a gun pointed at me. And I turned back to Dustin and I said, get in the car. They have guns. Don't know why I didn't, you know, scream like you think you would scream and run. I just knew that maybe if we got in the car, they wouldn't shoot us. So got in the car. I turned back right before I sat down into the car to look back. And then I saw two of the guys had guns pointed at us. And I just saw them. I didn't see any faces. I just saw they had black clothing on. And in the street light, I saw the flicker of the two guns kind of shining. And so we go to sit down in the car. And as I duck my head and sit down, they start shooting. And I have no idea how many shots are being fired, but I just heard rapid fire. Dustin was able to drive and get us out of there. We were both, of course, then screaming. I don't know how he managed to get the car out of the parking lot, but uh, we did. And we called 911, of course. I was in the floorboard of the passenger side and just shaking and not really understanding what had just happened. And as I crawled out of the floorboard, I looked and or I felt my hands were really wet. And I was like, why are my hands wet? I didn't, it's not raining outside. I didn't put them in any puddle or anything. And as a streetlight kind of flashed over the car and lit up the car, I see that my hands are completely covered in blood. And I realized then that I had been shot. Told Dustin, you know, he was on the phone with the operator. We both panic at that point. Like, where was the shot? Um, we were instructed to pull over into a McDonald's parking lot of all places because we were closer to an ambulance than we were to a hospital. Uh, and we, you know, I was out on stretcher in a McDonald's parking lot. They had actually shot my foot. The bullets, eight shots total were fired. And luckily, Dustin was closer to them than I was. They missed Dustin, uh, went through his car, went underneath the car. I mean, they went all around the car, but my uh, right foot was actually shot, shattered my calcaneus bone, couldn't stop the bleeding. And they actually hit an artery as well. So I had emergency surgery. And waking up from the surgery was one of those moments, again, where you're reflecting on what is your life and where do I go from here? And is it logical for me to pursue a career in a physically demanding space where my foot was almost just shot off? And I knew if I had any function in my foot, if I was able to stand, if I was able to walk, uh, I was going to do what I could to show people still that fitness is accessible. Even in my mind, I might have a disability with my foot. Luckily, I recovered well. There's some numbness. There's some tingling. There's a big scar, but I have full functionality. I, I thank God for that every day. But I knew in that moment still that the people that did that to us, they didn't care about our legacy. They didn't care about the story we were trying to build. And I wasn't going to let them take that from us. And I wasn't going to let them take that from the world that I wanted to inspire. So I knew I was going to fight back somehow. I was also going to, as soon as I was cleared, get back on YouTube and show people that there is a process that you can go through. If you're just beginning your fitness journey, if you are coming back from an injury, if you're a brand new mom and you're just starting fresh again, or any of those kind of situations, I wanted to show people my comeback story just to show anyone that 
doubted themselves, that wasn't sure where to start, that all it takes is just you being willing to start and fight back for your strong, not fight back for who I used to be or fight back to lose all this weight or fight back to get skinny or jacked or whatever it was. I just wanted people to know that there's a possible journey from someone who was an elite athlete to now a very different person. Uh, I wasn't walking for four months and now I was going to come back, bled through my socks a ton of times. I had a hole the size of a ping pong ball in my foot for several, several months, but I was cleared to do what I could. And I wanted to show people it's possible, even if it looks different, even if it's very new and it's very hard and you're a total beginner, it's possible. All you have to do is just start. So I called that challenge, the stronger you challenge, and basically just went with the YouTube crowd and audience and fought my way back to my strong. And I'm thankful every day that I did that. So I can now relate to people who are very beginners in fitness and are starting new, starting fresh from an injury. Uh, It made me a better personal trainer having gone through that because up to that point, somehow I hadn't gone through an injury yet. So it made me kind of believe in the process of the comeback story and now be able to relate to people on a different level as a trainer, which I think has helped me in my profession tremendously. Unbelievable. My goodness. Okay. I mean, I can appreciate there was so much good that came from something you would have never hoped for in Mm -hmm. your decision to, yep, use it as a teachable opportunity of how to start from scratch or start from a place that you didn't expect to find yourself in. But talk about the mental side. I I mean, like this is trauma, like serious, serious trauma. What, What were you doing to cater to mental health then? And how does it still have to take place today? Because I don't imagine it just magically goes away, even in this amount of time. Yeah, I think there was a lot of resentment in the beginning, or I think anger, maybe, because things were finally starting to go well for us. And it was, you know, a struggle to to get a YouTube channel where you, you're completely new to the platform, at kind of what is considered late in the game for fitness. I was pretty angry for a while that I had been just basically cut off from what was making me so happy, uh, what was helping change people's lives. That kind of rolled into a little bit of uh, pity for myself for a split second. And then I thought of potential. Uh, I know that that's not probably what people would expect for me to say, but I thought of how many people are going to be able to benefit from watching me come back from this extreme injury. And I think the the most prolonged emotion is fear, uh, is not even of a failure or anything like that, but just of, it was so unexpected and so I don't want to say undeserving, but there was no reason to it. It wasn't like they were trying to rob us. It wasn't like we had, you know, had a a fight with them the night before. It was just so unexpected. And I think that's kind of what leaves me a little bit cautious at night, cautious to go anywhere by myself. I think that's the prolonged feeling. And and I know logically I can't look at everyone like that and think like, oh, we're we're in a, a street at night. This could happen. But it does run through your mind every now and then of of why why did that happen? I still don't know. And to this day, I I don't like to go anywhere by myself. I don't like to go anywhere at night by myself, especially because it was dark at night. So I think the mental toll that it took on me was just kind of um, maybe not being so like obliviously naive to potential of what could happen. I, I didn't necessarily have to work through anything to where I think it displays in like my projections onto people or anything like that. I think it's very situational for me, luckily, Uh, but it also made me really, really, again, after my brother, appreciate being alive. And you talked about mortality a little bit. And I think it's 
I've had a double dose of life almost being cut short for me and then being cut short for my brother. I saw a picture on Instagram or one of the social media outlets that has stuck with me for a really long time. And it kind of showed uh, from a rear view, a lot of people just standing in a line and one person at a time is just kind of floating up to just to take it to like a spiritual place, just kind of floating up to heaven. And it says something to the nature of like, we're all in line and no one knows where we are in that line. I thought, wow, that is so true. And if more people thought about their days like that, when they first started, I bet we would all live a little bit more joyous, a little bit more grateful, a little bit more even ambitious. If we realize we all just have a certain amount of time and we don't really know how much time that is. And we don't know where we are in that line of when we're going to kind of take our journey up to heaven. So it just made me really, I know this is probably like annoyingly positive, but it made me really, really thankful for my life again. So good. So true. I mean, like we only are here for a limited amount of time. It's yeah. what we were talking about earlier. I love that. Yeah. One of the things that you had to do is convince yourself that you could return as strong as you were prior to the injury. I don't know that you personally worked through any kind of limiting beliefs. I know for me, I've had plenty about my body or my health or my fitness journey. And I'm curious, what did you say either to yourself as you were going through this, if you did experience it, or maybe more importantly or pointedly for the audience, like what do you say to someone who's listening that struggles with limiting beliefs about their body or their health or their fitness journey to help them rewrite whatever that narrative is. I think we all have to accept first that everyone has them. <laughs> I even, you know, fitness professionals, you think of the most elite athlete that you can think of or the best speaker or the best author, everyone has these beliefs that in some way they fall short of what is the best. So I think establishing that, like we're all on a very level playing ground here. Everyone has those things where they think I could never do that. And then we try and sometimes we do. And sometimes we learn this is a new goal for me. So I definitely had limiting beliefs when I came back. My body was different. I basically had no muscle mass in my right leg because I couldn't stand on it. And coming from someone who was a high jumper, all of my muscle was in my legs and my glutes and my abs. So I came back into what is also a very visual world of fitness, YouTube, knowing, you know, there's so many bodies that you could compare yourself to. There's so many types of performance that you could compare yourself to. There's even four months ago, Sydney, that you could compare yourself to. But if everyone was given the chance again, after an injury to start fresh, uh, what would they do? What would they think? How would they move forward? And I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, this is just me trying to do my best. And I, I will never be the person that I used to be. And it's the idea that I think you have to measure up to like old Sydney or best athlete on YouTube or best author in the world that keeps us from even starting being our best self, not to be someone else, but to be your best self starts with you just deciding that you're worth it on day one. And it doesn't have to come to you are the very, very best in YouTube, or you are the most cut athlete on YouTube ever. Uh, but to be your best self doesn't have to measure up to anyone because at the end of the day, it's, are you happy? Your best self is your happy self. It's you're proud of yourself. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean you are number one in every single aspect. It means, am I living a life that I love? Am I feeling happy? Am I healthy? Am I strong? And do I have love around me? Am I putting out love? I think fitness especially is super aesthetically driven, which is always great. You always want to look good. It helps you feel good, of course, but that can't be the only thing that helps you determine, yes, I've made progress. Yes, I should be happy. Yes, I'm worth even trying. 
movement in general is so beneficial for your mental health, for your physical health, just starting there and giving yourself a little time to feel those positive benefits of, I just feel more energy. I feel like I'm happier. I feel like I'm more confident. And then associate those positive benefits with what you are doing. You're doing the thing that gives you the positive benefit. And that's something you have to be proud of. So don't limit yourself to only thinking, I'm only going to do this when I'm when, when I'm 100% ready, when I'm totally prepared, when I am the leanest person, when I have enough money, et cetera. Just start today with one improvement in yourself. And that's literally what you have to do every single day. One improvement in myself. Don't limit yourself to put a cap on your potential. You don't have any idea of what your potential is yet. You have no clue how great you're destined to be. So don't stop there. Start with day one, get a benefit from it. Know that you did the thing to get the benefit and keep doing those things, whether it's eating a little bit better, it's drinking some water, it's going out for a walk or a run, or it's finally picking up some weights. It's taking that next challenging, scary step at work. It starts with day one, just one step at the bottom of the staircase gets you up to the top of the staircase, but it starts from day one and step one. Love that. All right. So you're a little bit now removed from some of the resilience that you've had to get through. I can, you know, attest having seen what you've put out on social and the way that you've drawn an audience on YouTube, you are stronger for having made it through. Mm -hmm. What now comes next as you think about uh, affecting more human beings and being a light bearer and everything else? Uh, what comes next for you, Sydney? I mean, I'd love to continue to, to tell my story through fitness, through talking to people like you, through developing my brand. I'm still technically pretty new in the digital fitness world. We've only been on YouTube about three years now. So um, just growing that brand and continuing to serve more people with whatever kind of helps them in terms of fitness. Uh, we're also developing a fitness clothing line that I'm really excited about just to help people feel more confident in their workouts and their life, growing our team, which is really exciting to help just provide more content to people. And I think just kind of still being that living example of strength and resilience through life and through fitness, I just want to continue to provide that for people so they have proof that it's possible. And in addition to that, I think a lot of people that have gone through things that if you're listening and you've gone through something hard, you've gone through something trying that has given you a little bit of resilience, a taste of you overcoming things, be aware that people are looking to you for proof as well. People are looking to others to see like, wow, they got through a really hard time of losing their brother. I also lost someone, but she's doing well. She's doing okay. She's still living out her purpose. And I think that helps me knowing that people are looking to me to, to see it's possible to move forward from so much pain to still being fulfilled and using the pain and the lessons that you learn through it to be an example to people that it's possible. And I've connected with so many people who have lost a sibling, who have gone through gun violence that, you know, you never would have if you hadn't have gone through that thing. So be aware that what you're doing and how you're living, whether people tell you or not, is helping someone get through their day as well. So that kind of keeps me going. Uh, so good. If uh, people are interested in diving into more of what you do, following you on the interwebs, experiencing <laughs> some of your daily workouts, where do they go? Absolutely. Uh, so obviously you can connect with me on YouTube, brand new workout every single day and a stretch on Sunday for a rest day. My website is royalchange.fit. That's where our workout calendars are, our merchandises, our programs, and then social media is just Sydney Cummings on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social media places. <laughs> 
Awesome. All right. We ask uh, the same question at the end of every episode, Sydney. I'm so glad you could be here today. Thank you. The question is, if you could share one takeaway with our audience, whether it's an idea, a question, actionable piece of advice, what is the single thing that you would challenge our listeners with today? The single thing I would challenge your listeners with today is to do something they think they're not ready for, to show themselves a little bit of their own strength and to do that again tomorrow as well. I am here for this and a witness to the power. <laughs> Put yourself just beyond your comfort zone to reframe what you are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Sydney Cummings, you're a good human being. You're doing good work. And I appreciate the stories that you're able to tell of how resilient you have been. You are stronger for having gotten through it. And hopefully this has given some permission for someone who's going through a hard time to believe that they will get through it as well. I want to ask you, listener, if you got anything from this episode and how could you have not to take a picture of the device that you were looking at this episode on to tag myself and Sydney on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know what you got so that we can thank you for sharing your feedback, your breakthroughs with the rest of the world. And between now and next week, push yourself just a little tiny bit beyond what you think you can do so you can reframe what you end up believing yourself to be capable of. We will see you next week on the Rise Together podcast. Thank you, Sydney Cummings, for being here this week. Thank you so much. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.